And welcome back to the Ford Taylor Talks podcast. I'm Pat Williams with my friend. I don't throw that around lightly either, Mr. Ford Taylor. Well, thank you, PW. I know you don't, nor do I. Uh, and I can equally say it's good to be with my friend, Patrick Williams, better known as PW. You know, we're, again, um, having a part two of a guest that we had. Um, I was challenged personally by some of the things that I heard. I think you saw the you know look on my face, but you also know me well enough that uh, my ears are open, my heart's open. I, I'm hearing things that maybe I haven't heard or experienced the way you have. Yeah, PW, these are hard. As, uh, they're hard to hear. And I remember when I first started hearing them almost 20 years ago, I just, I was nice and I smiled and I shook my head. But on the inside, I was burning up. Come on, not our country, not now. This doesn't still exist. And, and so the only way I could reconcile that was I had to go do my own research. I, I had to go find out for myself. And when I did my own research, I was really, really stunned. Uh, I was shocked, and and the more of my friends that started trusting me, the ones of a different hue, a different skin color, the more that that trust developed, the more they shared their personal stories, and the more I engaged into their lives, and they engaged in my, into mine, and and then I experienced with them the very things they talked about in restaurants and in different places. Uh, I I said, wow. That I understand so much better now the lens in which they're seeing and talking. It's what was so helpful. Ford, before we go to that second part, can you give a brief bio for Tracy Hunt? Yeah, Tracy, you know, she's a, uh, number one, she's, she's just become a dear friend over the years, but very talented, uh, very smart. She's on a radio station. Uh, she's a pastor, lawyer, uh, has been a judge, just all the talent in the world with a big heart. Awesome. Here we go. Part two of our interview on racial healing and reconciliation with Tracy Hunter. So Tracy, let's talk for a minute about that judgeship and a little bit about what happened to you in, in our relationship, even as we walk through that. Share a little bit of that. Um, well, and, and obviously, you know, that's actually still going on and it actually started, um, it's, Going on 11 years, it started in January 2010, where I announced I was going to run for office for the uh, juvenile court um, as a lawyer. I'd seen a lot of um, things in the in the system, and, and um, God led me literally to run for that, that seat. Um, in fact, I wrestled with God over it, but um, he, he won as usual, and so I, I committed to God to run. I told him I would run one time, and, and if I didn't win that time, it was it. And so I, I, I ran, and as you know, Ford, uh, at the end of the election in 2010, November, they said that I lost the election. And even though no one, as you said, in history like me had ever won that election, and our county is only 23% um, black, actually, in Hamilton County, God told me through the Holy Spirit that I won that election. And so as a result, I filed a lawsuit in 2010 and I fought that lawsuit for um, two, almost two years. It took almost two years uh, for them to count the votes on election night. They said I lost, but God said I won. And it took me the next couple of years to prove that I won. And finally, the federal court uh, forced them to count the votes that they had thrown out. And I was able to prove that, in fact, I did hear from God and, and I did win that election. But they were angry. They were so angry um, about 
the fact that I sued them. Um, and But they were willing to spend millions of dollars to keep me out of that seat. But when they were forced to allow me in the seat, the prosecutor um, in Hamilton County, who actually, um, he um, defended the lawsuit for the county. He had a personal, he took it very personal that he lost that election. And he also took it personal because for the first time in history, his office would have to deal with me as judge. And the juvenile court only was a a two-judgeship seat. And to, to also add insult to injury, the opponent, my opponent who lost, actually lost the election to me, they appointed him to the other judgeship while I was still fighting the lawsuit. And so they put my opponent who lost the election, white male Republican, in office before me, and I won the election. So he gets in position. I eventually come. He took control of the court. And along with the prosecutor, um, they began to just do horrible things to me every single day as a judge on the bench. They were very disrespectful to me. The prosecutors were very disrespectful, didn't want to follow my judicial orders. Um, and eventually they started suing me when I made a couple of rulings about not showing the faces of children in the media or, or putting their names in the media to protect them because they were children. Um, they, they sued me. Uh, and then they just literally ganged up on me, all of the white men, um, and, and started suing me. And then the prosecutor was suing me and then supposedly representing me at the same time because he's the statutory um, a lawyer for the county. But rather than recuse himself, which the law requires, he refused to recuse himself so that he can control the outcome of the cases against me. And he literally threw those cases. He failed to answer them to answer the lawsuits filed against me while refusing to allow me to get independent counsel. And I eventually filed an ethics complaint with the Ohio Supreme Court against the prosecutor and three other prosecutors for what they were doing to harm me. And right after I filed the lawsuit against him, he then finally got off the case as my supposed legal representation that had lost all of the cases because he didn't file answers to them. And then he went on a a rampage against me, just said all of these horrible things, accused me even of mental illness. I mean, just the most horrific things. And then he accused me of crimes about three weeks. It actually was less than that. It was right after I um, accused him in writing uh, of of ethical violations. He then accused me of crimes, ultimately led the charge in bringing 10 felonies against me as a judge after I'd only been on the bench for a, it was actually less than a year at that time. And then he got his personal friends um, that had never been prosecutors. He made them special prosecutors. They were actually his divorce and his, his criminal lawyers, his personal criminal and divorce lawyers. He made them the special prosecutors, gave them a million dollars from the county, and then came after me with everything that they had. And I was suspended as a judge from the bench, still actually suspended, but I was taken to trial. Um, First trial, I was taken. Um, they supposedly got one conviction, but the judge, who was a personal friend of, of the prosecutor and had received money from him, refused to um, poll the jury, and which is a law. By law, you poll the jury right after the trial. If someone says, please poll the jury, they poll the jury. This judge wouldn't poll the jury, and he dismissed them instead. And right after he dismissed them, they called me that night, uh, my lawyer. They called my lawyer and said that, Three of them had, had said guilty was not their verdict, but they refused to overturn um, the, the one conviction against me, um, even though they knew that the three people came forward and said that that wasn't their verdict. And I've been fighting it ever since. 
And so I lost my career. I lost my livelihood. Um, the media came after me um, like no, I mean, like nothing I'd ever seen. And I, I was actually uh, trained in journalism. That was my first career before I became a lawyer. And I've never seen the just the level of disregard for for objectivity. They never would tell my side of the story, even when I would present all of the documentation to prove that every single charge against me was a lie. And I had all of the evidence. I still have all of the evidence to prove it. They refused. The media refused to publish my side of the story. They would only publish what the prosecutor wanted them to, to publish. And so even after we eventually proved during the second trial, two years later, they tried to bring those charges against me again, we got a computer forensic expert that I couldn't afford the first time and didn't have, and the judge refused to allow us access to the court the first trial. My forensic expert was able to get into the court. They, they were able to determine that they, had, um, that they had soiled the hard drives and then got rid of them. They literally got rid of exculpatory evidence that would have proved my innocence, and they then admitted it. They actually admitted that they had messed with computers, and they did all of these things with the evidence. And at that point, they then voluntarily dismissed nine charges against me, but only because I was able to prove that they had tampered with the computers and with the evidence, and nothing happened to them at all. They brought false charges against me. They have never been held accountable. They admitted that they did these things that they accused me of, and yet I lost my career, my livelihood, um, and quite honestly, my stellar reputation. And, And that's that's really hurt me. But Ford, along the way, in fact, at my sentencing, Ford led um, not only himself, but an army of, of white people and ministers who have, were in relationship with me over the years. They knew my integrity and they knew my character. And they, um, they showed up at my sentencing to ask the judge who had sentenced me to jail, not to put me in jail, because number one, I didn't do it. And then number two, um, there was no reason to put me in jail, but he ended up putting me in jail. I went to jail uh, last year, and that was the most horrific experience, but mostly because because I was innocent. And to know that these white men who knew that I was innocent would throw me in jail just to prove a point to me and to let me know that they did not care about my black life and to show me that they had more power and to show me how dare me ever stand up against them again, I think that hurt me more than anything. But had it not been for Ford along the way reminding me that everyone that, that looked like him as they did was not him, that's been my saving grace, quite honestly, because of our friendship and me being able to sit down over the years with Ford and Ford to continue to confirm me as a black woman and to confirm our friendship and to stand up for me, um, that's, that's helped uh, during this process. But it still hurts because it's still going on. I'm still, to this day, trying to get that one conviction, that one wrongful false conviction overturned so that I can go on with my life. And it's now um, over 10 years later. Yeah. Tracy, I'm just so sorry you went through that. and And... And, and the thing is, you know, I, I watch media today do this to leaders like you, left end, right end, politics on, on all ends, where they don't report the truth, and, and we get sound bites, and that's okay. But what I want to 
Uh, P.W., I'll, I'll tell you this. Listeners that may be listening, that they don't know you or they don't know me, as soon as they heard Tracy Hunter was going to be on the show and they know about what happened, they may have, they may have immediately said, I'm not listening to this podcast anymore because they, they, all they heard was from the media. But a quick story, when all that was going on, uh, I, had a pretty, I had a really good client. And in the middle of it, the CEO of this company called me and he told me that he and their family uh, had met and they had decided that they didn't want me to be their consultant anymore. And I said, no problem. I understand. You know, all my contracts are, you know, here's the cost. Anytime I'm not bringing value, I'm fired. I mean, fire me. I mean, I'm committed to you throughout the contract. But if you don't want to commit to me, you don't have to keep it. And so I said, I understand. And he said, do you want to know why? I said, no. I mean, the contract says you can release me for anything. But, and I don't, I don't want your money if I'm not bringing value. He said, that's not it. I said, what is it? He said, how can you be seen in the paper walking into the courtroom with Tracy Hunter? I said, well, what do you mean? He said, how can you let your face be seen with a woman who's so guilty of so much stuff? And I said, oh. I said, I haven't seen you at any of the court cases. Have I just missed you being there? He said, what? I said, I'm there. I'm listening. I'm watching. I haven't seen you there. So how do you know she's guilty? He goes, well, are you not reading the paper and listening to the radio and watching TV? And I said, yeah. I said, but I'm also in the courtroom. And I said to him, I said, okay, you're the CEO of a big company, which makes you really smart. Can I just ask you a question? He said, yeah. I said, are you telling me that you believe everything you see? in the media and on television. And it was just dead silence. I said, I just, I just thought you were smarter than that. And I said, so let me help you a little bit. Number one, I've known this woman for years. And I'm telling you, there's nothing in her system that would allow her to do these things. Period. She'd stick a gun in her mouth first. It's just not in her character. It's not possible. can't happen. I will die on this sword. I said, but let me also tell you, she's a friend of mine. And if she did happen to do one of these, she would have already told me. And you know what? If she's found guilty, I'll go to jail with her. So I understand that you don't want to work with me. That's okay. And then he, after a few seconds, he goes, I think I've changed my mind. I said, change your mind about what? He said, I think, I, think we, I think we still want to work with you. And of course, you know me, my wise self, you know, my, my smart aleck self said, oh, so let's renegotiate the price and we'll figure out whether you still want to work with me or not. Of course, he said, you wouldn't do that. And I said, no, I wouldn't. And I said, what are you going to tell your family? He said, I'm going to tell them if I ever get in trouble, I know who I'm going to call. But see, here's a guy, a smart, intelligent businessman that runs a huge company that never even went to one day of the court case to find out is what I'm watching on the news and in the paper, is it true? Not one time. And, and I think we all are falling prey to that now, again, in the media, even on this issue. Because PW, I got news for you. 
my friends and, and associates that are a different color skin, I know thousands of, of dark-skinned people around the world. None of them are thugs. They're smart people with big hearts, huge hearts. They care about people. Yet, when I watch the media, you would think that they're all throwing rocks and bombs and looters when probably 95-plus percent whites and blacks that are at these peaceful rallies both are, are peaceful. Yet, what do we see on the news? And it continues to skew that hippocampus that I talked about earlier in this direction that the problem perpetuates. And I, I still believe that there's a solution. I believe that. So, Tracy, let me ask you this question. Mm-hmm. What would you say is the solution? What is the solution for us to move past this and really deal with it? I don't mean move past it. I don't mean let it go. I mean deal with it. Yeah, thank you, because you knew when you said move past it. Yeah, see, there you go. I'm still learning. <laughs> I, I hear you. We're talking hundreds of years, um, and we're talking deep, deeply entrenched hurt um, on all sides. And certainly we won't move just move past it, we have to deal with it, finally deal with it, um, and not deal with it just from an economic standpoint. And what I mean is we can't just say, I'm sorry, or make a few changes, take down a few statutes. statutes. There are people that are upset right now because of the statutes are coming down, but quite honestly, that's not really the, you know, that's more symptomatic. That's not the root. We have to get to the root of our problem. Um, as a nation, you know, I no one likes to bring up slavery, and um, but the truth of the matter is, from a spiritual standpoint, you know, America has never fully repented for the 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 degradation of that sin, and we've only perpetuated it. It's only been perpetuated throughout history. You know, we we moved. I don't. You know, obviously, have time to give a. a you know, a history lesson on the laws and things that have led us to this point. But thank God for the laws. Many people, you know, have a problem with, you know, the government being involved in, in being involved in legislation. But quite honestly, if it were not for certain legislation, you know, we wouldn't be, even as African-American people who continue to struggle with, um, you know, institutionalized racism such that I have experienced it at such deep levels, um, Without that protecting us, I don't know where we would we would be right now. It's it would be pretty lawless if we didn't have certain things allowing me to even go vote or to to sit anywhere, quite honestly, on a bus or to even I thought to become the first black judge of the Hamilton County Juvenile Court. Um, it they weren't they still weren't ready. So the question is, when will we be ready? And we won't be ready until God literally opens all of our eyes, because honestly, at the level uh, that I see it, it's more spiritual than natural. Um, naturally, we, we deal with it on a superficial, in a superficial way with superficial changes, which quite like what is happening uh, right now. Uh, we throw money at it, but money will never solve the, the issue of the heart. It's a heart issue. And and only God can do that by people 
of all races and backgrounds saying, God, please open my eyes so that I can see with your eyes, literally. That's really ultimately what can happen or what must happen. There's no amount, there's no amount of money that can make people see racism. Um, there's no amount of money that can make people open their hearts to change or to open their hearts to people that, that don't look like them. It will take a genuine move of God, starting with a choice that we all make as individuals to genuinely get to know first people that don't look like us so that we can begin to share in their experiences and, and to value and appreciate them for who they are. Ford was able to get into relationship with me and vice versa. So by the time this prosecutor who hated my guts for winning an election and beating him in, 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 in a court battle and then ultimately filing an ethics complaint against him, Ford knew me so well that he was able to say beyond a shadow of a doubt, she didn't do it because I know her. And that's what it's going to take. Persons, I think, PW, getting back to the original question that you asked, it's going to take people literally saying, God, transform my heart and open my eyes to see what I am not able to see so that I can walk a mile in someone else's shoes and appreciate them. It's not a democratic issue. And I was a Democrat and just quite honestly, Democrat, Republican, that means nothing today. I understand that now. There are people that are Democrats that are Republicans and Republicans that are Democrats. It's whatever suits the purpose, you know, whatever will get, get somebody a win. It's not a political party that's going to change our nation or that's going to overcome racism or that's going to bring racial healing. It's literally going to take God, and it's going to have to take, it's going to take people making the choice. We have to choose to, to learn from one another. We have to choose to look past skin color, and we have to choose to look at the content of somebody's character, like Dr. Martin Luther King said. Um, you know, the Bible first said, it wasn't Martin Luther King that said, let justice roll down, you know, like, like water. That wasn't Martin Luther King. God said that. That's in the Bible. And that's what it's really going to take. It's going to take the heart of man being transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we could see our ugliness as a nation and as a people and say, I don't want to be like that. And to ask God to forgive us for that which we have allowed and for that which we continue to allow. Yeah. Well, thank you, Tracy. So, you may have answered this question just now. I'm going to ask it a little bit different way. Mm-hmm. Why do you think it's so hard for even us as Christians, but for America, you know, slavery, the, the, the Civil War, I mean, those things, most likely the worst time in our history. Now, a lot of those have been perpetuated, but I mean, just an ugly time in American history. We've done some things right and some things wrong all along the way. But that that's just so ugly. It's such a, a bad part of our history. Why do you think it's so hard for us just to say that was wrong and we're sorry? Why is that so hard for us? Well, spiritually, the Bible says that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. So it's definitely rooted in pride. But it's also rooted in money. Mm. 
The Bible says the love is not money that's the root of all evil. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. And at the end of the day, it's an economic battle. The Civil War, that was economics. Slavery, that was economics. That was having people work for people for free and to uh, inure from their free labor. Guess what? The the mail, mass incarceration today, that just literally took the place of slavery. The 13th Amendment to the United States Constitution states that slavery is outlawed except in instances of, um, of, of, of crime or as, as punishment for crime. And so the truth of the matter is that even the, uh, the Constitution still allows an exception for that. And so persons who are inuring from free labor just literally transitioned from what was slavery, supposedly a thing of the past, to the new form of slavery today, which is mass incarceration, privatized prisons, using people for labor. And a lot of people, and I can honestly say this as a lawyer, I was a defense attorney for many years, I've been a lawyer for 30 years now, there are many people, PW and Ford, that are in jail that are, that are innocent, just like I was in jail and totally innocent. But when you have a system that is literally set up for economic gain, for profit, and you make that profit by having people do things in jail for free, it gives motivation and intentionality to continuing the, the, um, the system of injustice, if you will. And so at the end of the day, it's about economics. It's still about economics. The position that I held as the first African-American juvenile court judge, that was one of the most powerful judgeships in Hamilton County. It was, we had the second largest budget next only to the sheriff's department. And so for an African-American woman like myself to be in a position to control millions of dollars over a six-year period of my term, over $120 million for the first time in history, and to be able to employ people and to make decisions that heretofore had only been made by white persons and, and so many of their family members are in the system and, and, and literally um, sons and daughters of judges were practicing before me um, as a judge because it was a system that was set up not for people that looked like me. It was set up for people that looked like them. And nobody wants to share the pie. At the end of the day, it's about the pie. It's about how do you cut this slice so that everybody can share in it. And that's what power and control have been, not only with black and white America, it's been across nations, uh, you know, countries, you know, continents. At the end of the day, it's about economic control and who's going to control that pie. And someone has to stand up and say, I want all of us to be able to share in that pie. And I don't have to put you down or take from you or steal your judgeship or take your radio station or any other business opportunity from you or keep you from getting loans so that you can compete with me on a level playing field. That's what it's, at the end of the day, that's what racism is. One group of people not wanting other, another group of people to be able to compete with them on a level playing field. And someone has to have the heart of God to say, I don't mind if you play on the same level playing field with me because there's enough to go around. You know, P.W., I, <laughs> I'm going to say this to you and our listeners. So when I used to hear these things, I would sit calmly and my stomach would just churn. I mean, my heart would burn. Anger would well up. 
Like, are you, come on, you don't really believe all that's true, do you? I mean, that's what I would say. We're in America. That doesn't happen anymore. And so that, I mean, I didn't say it because I'm saying I want to listen. I want to hear. I want to find out the truth. But inside, my stomach would churn. So I'm guessing that most of our listeners right now, there's a lot of you, your stomachs are churning. Because, but I, I just ask you this question. What if, just what if, what Tracy is saying is true? Just ask yourself that. What if it's true? Am I willing to stop and do the research myself? Am I willing to go look and, and read the history books and read the laws and, and see the statistics in today's world? Am I willing to do that? Am I, just what if it's true? You see, I, I do think we can be a part of the solution. You know, it, it, I, don't, I don't promote our website much, but I, if you're listening to I want you to consider going on the website, BoardTaylorTalks.com. I just want you to think about it. I just want you to consider it. And I want you to look at the vision and the purpose and the mission. And the mission is, what might I be willing to do that others might not be willing to do to fulfill a vision. And you'll see that, that that website, mine says, I'm willing to learn to love and forgive unconditionally. And I'm willing to be dangerously transparent. Why? Because it, it takes me back up to the whole purpose of this podcast. It takes me up to the tagline of this podcast. And, it, you know, it takes me back at my 50th birthday, even as we talk today. And I'll never forget Tracy Hunter standing up at my surprise birthday party saying, can I say something? And the people that hosted the party said, sure. And she said, today, I'm going to say something that I thought I would never say to a white person, and I knew I would never say to a white man. And she gave me one of the top probably two or three birthday gifts I've ever had in my life. And she turned to me and she said, Ford Taylor, I love you. Thank you for teaching me to love white people. And as I cried, I thought in my brain, Tracy Hunter, I love you. Thank you for helping me understand black people. And now look at this, this podcast and this website and, and we talk about a vision of finding people who would want to move to a place to become a leader, who would make leaders, who would make leaders that would learn to get taught, trained, and equipped to have the right tools, the right ingredients, to be in relationships, to have an impact, to make a change on individuals, organizations, cities, and even our nation. And so why do we say, let's get lit? Why is that the tagline? Because you know what? It's time for us to do the L. It's time for us to love others, to take some risk, that I can love you more than I care about how you feel about me. And so today, if you can't love me anymore because I presented some stuff, and a friend that presented some stuff that we might not want to hear, I understand. But I would ask you to ask yourself the question, what if? And if so, 
could we find a place of influence that we could influence those with whom we follow, maybe even our government leaders, our, our coaches, our teachers, our parents, that we could influence up? And what if we could influence our peers? And let's just call it influence down, those that follow us. And what would happen if we were learning to learn enough about ourselves to have influence on ourselves? And this fifth level of influence, I don't talk about much on the podcast, but today I'm going to. What if we came together this way and we actually had influence with God? And hearts would change. Might that kind of love and that kind of influence, might it lead to that T that we truly could be transformational? That we as individuals could become something different next week than we are today? And if enough of us learn to love, influence, and transform, that we truly could find leaders who would make leaders who would make leaders to impact organizations, organizations, individuals, cities, and maybe a nation. I haven't given up on this world or this country. I travel all over the world. And I'm telling you, no matter how bad our country is, no matter what kind of failures we have, you come travel with me, you'll come back home and say, you know what, let's don't give up on this place. Let's fix the problems. Because as bad as we may have it, it's still really good compared to most other places in the world. So will you join us together? And get lit. Tracy, thank you so much for sharing your heart today. Uh, as we stated at the beginning of the podcast, we're here to help people. Um, we want to love, influence, and transform a nation. And uh, we're happy you were able to take some time today, share your story. And we look forward to uh, seeing you again on a future Ford Taylor Talks podcast. I certainly look forward to that. And PW, it was a pleasure to get to meet you. And thank you so much for um, providing this opportunity for me today, PW and Ford. Well, thank you, Tracy. I love you dearly, and I look forward to our next time together. I certainly do, too. God bless you. God bless you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Ford Taylor Talks. For more information and resources to help you love, influence, and transform, please visit FordTaylorTalks.com. Music